Holy Spirit, we ask that you just come into this place right now and just cleanse it. Cleanse it of uh, anything that is not of you. Uh, clear our minds, clear our hearts, so that we can uh, receive this message, Lord, the message that you have poured into Pastor David that uh, we all need. We need this word. We need to hear from you, Lord. And we know that you have prepared this gentleman to bring that word directly from you to us, Lord. We thank you for his obedience and his heart and his willingness to come over here and support our church and our family, Lord. And we love this man, and we just thank you so much. Just bring him some peace and comfort and calm as he is up here bringing this word, your word, Lord. We say these things in your name, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you, Ingrid. I just want to know what you have to do to be on platform and not wear shoes. Some do, some don't. I just, I was confused. I know whether to take one boot off, both boots off, or just leave them on. So I'm gonna, I saw all the guys with their boots on, so I thought, well, I'll leave mine on too. I wasn't sure. But uh, I, that just kind of confused me. I thought, I don't know what to do now. But anyway, hey, um, aren't you glad God still moves? Ingrid, thank you for that story, just reminding us again that God knows what we need and God still moves. <laughs> You're not going to believe this, but maybe you will. The title of my message today is A Miracle in the Making. Ties right into all of our music today. Ties right into what Miss Ingrid just had to say. There's a miracle in the making. Last Sunday at Life Fellowship, there was a young man who came in our church uh, 18 years young, 18-year-old young man, had never been to church in his life. A friend invited him to come to church with him, so he did. And can you imagine what it was like to come to church for the first time, especially to a service similar to this one? All the lights are out, the music is loud, people have got their hands in the air, some woman in the corner screaming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine what an 18-year-old must have thought? What in the world am I doing? And in the midst of all that, we'll just call it confusion in his mind. We knew exactly what it was. It was the Spirit of God moving. But in his heart and his mind, he, he's never experienced this. He's 18 years young. Never been to church. Come to church last Sunday. Heard the music. Somebody screaming. Kind of confused. But then all of a sudden, the word of God began to be preached. And a sweet, sweet spirit fell upon that place. And before that young man left that day, the move of God happened in his life. And he invited Christ into his heart. <laughs> Miracles still happen. Amen. There's a miracle in this place today. I'm going to look at this camera right here. I, I hope, Pastor Eric, you're, you're seeing this, watching this. It may be just a blank camera. Nobody's even on the other end. I don't know. It, that camera might not even be on. But here's what I want you to say. I love you, friend. I'm honored to stand in this place. I've been praying for you, praying for your wife, praying that the anointing of God will be on you as you travel and, and the safety will be upon you. You'll have a wonderful, safe sabbatical. And you'll come back refreshed, revived. Not that you needed it because you were already on fire. But you'll come back even more so. I love you, friend. God bless you. I love this church. I love this house. I love what it represents. Matter of fact, I get the privilege to go to, after our service, we have a place called Guest Central where people who are visiting can come in and, and, and uh, just meet some of the pastors. And they'll say, well, we're just kind of visiting around. 
And one of my statements is, have you visited Sand Springs yet? As if I'm trying to get rid of it, and I'm not. But if they're dressed kind of like I am with cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, I'm going, have you been to Sand Springs yet? That's the cowboy capital of the world right there. Cow- cowboy headquarters right there. Anyway, on Sunday morning anyway. Hey, the Word of God is powerful. The Word of God is real. The Word of God is active. The Word of God wants to make a difference in your life today. Are you ready to receive from the Lord today? Say a big amen. amen. Well, half of you were, but the other half, maybe you'll get in on it. All right. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. You know what it means when a preacher pulls his watch off? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. I'm going to change it up from the way we did it in the first service today, uh, but it's still the same message. A miracle in the making. What does it take for God to do a miracle in your life? Faith. Some would say prayer. Some would say prayer. Both of those are good. Faith and prayer, good. Is it in the Bible, are there times when miracles are performed and there is no prayer? And the answer is yes. So prayer is an essential, but it's not the number one need. So if we were gonna if we're gonna put this in an order, what would be the number one need in a miracle? <laughs> a need. A need is the number one need in a miracle. Because everywhere you look in the Bible, every miracle came as a need of something that was taking place. So I got a question. How many of you have a need in your life today? Oh, do you know you're a candidate for a miracle today? Do you know that you're a candidate for a miracle today? Do you know that God is, God's in the miracle working business? Hey, I got a question. How many of you believe that he's the same yesterday, today, and will be for our grandchildren? So if he did perform miracles, he still can perform miracles. And if he still can, he still will when our grandkids come along. Because the word of God will outlast us all. You know it will. It has done it. It is doing it. And it will doing it. So here's what I want you to know. It begins with a need. A miracle begins with a need. Notice 2 Kings chapter 4, verse number 1. Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of of prophets. So that this woman is married to a young man. They've got two boys and her husband is in school to be a prophet, to learn under Elisha. Now, for years I struggled to remember who came first, Elijah or Elisha. I never could remember which one of those came first, but here's the way to remember it. J comes before S. Elijah came before Elisha. That's the only way I can remember it, all right? That'll help you a little bit. So her husband is in the school, and he's, he wants to be a man of God. He wants to be a prophet. He's studying how to hear the voice of God. He's studying how to understand the voice of God. He's, he's studying how to, when you hear the voice of God, you understand the voice of God, what to do next. He's studying under Elisha, a man of God who hears God's voice, walks with God, as we're going to see today, and and then gives the people that he ministers to a word from God. So notice what happens. Sons of the prophet. She cried to Elisha, your servant, my husband, uh uh-oh, he's dead. 
And you know your servant, my husband, feared the Lord. And that his creditors have come to take my two children as their slaves. Mama, it's a bad day. It's a bad day. I can't imagine what this must have been like. I've never been in these shoes. I can't understand, other than from the story, what this must have been like for this mother to go to the man of God and said, your servant, my husband, he's dead. And the creditors have now come. And they want my boys. Because I can't pay my bills. I want you to notice next what Elisha said to her, but that only shows what he didn't say to her as well. Not that this is a bad thing, but notice what he said. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for you? And before she could answer, he says, tell me, what do you have in your house? Other words, what he didn't say was, well, if you'll come by the office tomorrow, we've got a packet that we'd like for you to fill out. And in that packet, we're going to need your driver's license. We're going to need three forms of ID. We're going to need your bills. We're going to need your credit statement, your bank statement, and all the above. Now, not, that's not necessarily a bad thing because Elijah didn't live in this day. And in this day and time, you've got to have all that because people want to take advantage of the church. They want to take advantage of the house of God. But So Elijah here, he just says, uh, what do you have? And she started by saying, I have nothing. Now, when you read the text and understand the text, it literally means, listen, I have sold the Cadillac Escalade. I don't have anything. I have sold my furniture. We're sleeping on the floor. All my pots and pans, my dishes, everything in the house, it's gone. I have nothing. Except for a little flask of oil. That's all I got. You know God doesn't have to have much. He's got to have an available heart more than he's got to have anything. Your abilities are important to God because he gave them to you. But he knows sometimes your ability is not enough for you. But what he's got for you is. And all he wants is you to come to him and say, I don't have much. And he said, what do you have? Lord, all I've got is a little bit of faith. A little bit of prayer. And he said, that's good enough for me. Good enough for me. So what we see here is it began with a need. It began with a need. And now the need is not shared with everybody. Notice where she went. She didn't go to her neighbors, the Rumerville. She didn't go to the Rumerville. She, she didn't go to all of her neighbors and said, now, please don't tell anybody, but would you pray with me? Because as you know, I'm selling all my furniture. Matter of fact, do you need anything? I got it for sale. <laughs> Psalms 1 says, blesses the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. In other words, you don't go telling everybody your business. But there are a few people that you need to share your stuff with. And those people are people that you're probably sitting close to today. People that you know you can trust. People that will get on their face before a holy God and not go to the rumor mill, but will go to the throne of grace in time of hell. Because we know that we can run to the throne room of God. And that's where we get our strength and our help. So you need some friends. By the way, the Bible says in that same passage that we don't, that we don't go to. Uh, verse number three says this. 
We go to the Word of God, and in the Word of God do we meditate day and night. So she had already been there. She had already been thinking, what would my husband do in this situation? And let me go to the man of God and see what the man of God says. And the man of God says, what do you have? She says, I don't have much, but what little I got. What little I got, I'm going to give it to whatever the Lord wants. So the first thing we see is it begins with a need. The second thing we see in this passage is that God wants to involve us. God wants to involve us in his miracle. Who was involved in this miracle? After verse number two, we come to this verse. It says this. I have nothing except a jar of oil. Then Elijah said, go borrow vessels at large from all of your neighbors. Now, your neighbors, those that you're close to, those that live right around you, those that you do life with, I want you to go to those. So number one, neighbors are included. Number two, you're included. Number three, your sons are included. What we're seeing is this is a multi-generational blessing. Amen. This is a multi-generational miracle that God wants. By, by the way, uh, we're not told a lot about this dad. But by the scriptures that we read, we read a lot about this dad. Matter of fact, I'd like for all the men with boys, with sons, not to be boys, but with sons, won't you stand up? And if your sons are with you, they want you to, your sons to stand up. <clears throat> Dad, let me speak to you just for a minute. As if we're the only ones in the room. Men, we're not raising sons to be sons. We're raising sons to be men. We're not raising sons to be sons. We're raising sons to be men of God. We're not raising sons to be sons. We're raising men. We're raising sons to be fathers that will lead their family in the ways of righteousness, in the ways of the things of God, the ways of honor God. And the only way we do that is we lead by example. We can say all day long, I want you to go to church. But unless we do the act ourselves, unless we get up and go to church, I want you to be young men of faith. I'm looking at this young family right here in front of me. And if you, if you want these boys to be men of faith, Dad, you got to be a man of faith. If you want these boys to be a man of prayer, you got to be a man of prayer. If you want these boys to know how to get a hold of the throne of God, you got to get a hold of the throne of God. If you want these boys to walk in a miracle, you got to share the miracles of God with them as they're growing up. You see, this is what God wants for us as a family. This is what God wants for us as men to lead the path of righteousness behind us with our children and our children's children. This is what God wants for us. Thank you, men. You may be seated. I want to pray, even as you're seated, I want to pray a prayer. Father, bless these men. May we become the men of God that lead our family in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. May we lead them in, in, in the direction that one day they too will walk as this father has done and now the mother is about to do because this is a multi-generational blessing that God wants to pour out on this family. And I pray your blessing on the families that are represented in this house today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. So this is a multi-generational blessing. Multi-generational blessing. You see, uh, Elijah says, I want you to get, once you get all these vessels and look, by the way, don't, don't get a few. <laughs> Elijah knew what the blessing was coming. He said, I want you to get a lot of vessels. And then I want you and your sons to go in and shut the door. Shut the door. Now, can't you imagine those teenage boys? Mama, you ain't really going to do that, are you? 
That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. You're going to take this little flask of oil and you're going to pour it into what? There's no way, mama. But don't you notice the faith of that mama? That mama, not, not only did dad fear God, but so did that mama. Because she did exactly what Elijah the prophet told her to do. When he said, I want you to go in and I want you to get a bunch of vessels and I want you to go to your neighbors and I want you to do them. I want you to bring them in. Because here's what happens. Listen to this. There's a cost in the miracle. And the cost in the miracle is the act of faith. You know what the act of faith is? Let me show you. It's this. Peel it back. Pour it in. It's obedience. Amen. The act of faith is obedience. And she walked in, son number one, bring me a jar. And she took her little flask of oil and she poured it into that jar until it filled up. And she said, son number two, get the jar, set it over there so we can keep them separated. She was an organized mama. She was very organized. Son number one, bring me the jar. She poured it in it. It filled up. She set it over there. Pour number three, pour four, five. We don't know how many. We just know there's a lot of them. And here's what the Bible says. When the last jar was brought, she said, bring me another one. And her son said, mama, that's my translation. Mama, there are no more. And the Bible said, when she, when there was no more, the oil stopped flowing. Don't you think about something? There's times in our life when the oil stops flowing. Even as believers. There was a time in my life when the oil stopped flowing. I was thinking about it as Ingrid was telling the story. The story I'm about to tell you was in, also in the year of 2015, the same year that she asked Christ into her heart. Earlier that year, I had taken up a spirit of offense at a church member. <laughs> Happened to be my boss and my pastor. And I was in church, but I didn't want to be in church. I would sing, but I didn't want to sing. I worship, but I didn't want to worship. You ever been there? It kind of looks like this. I'm glad y'all getting something. I ain't getting nothing out of this. I don't know what you got your hands in the air for. Okay, I'm glad you're feeling something. Now, I have been in the presence of the Lord. I have tasted of the Lord and God was good. But in that season of my life, the oil in me had stopped flowing because I had taken a spirit of offense. A bitter root had grown up inside of me. And I was there but didn't want to be there. Now here's the interesting thing. When the preacher got through preaching, I had to go up and close the service. And put on my spiritual face. You ever been there and done that? We all have. Matter of fact, some of you may sit in here today. And you put your spiritual face on just to come in. Because there's a bitter root that's grown up. There's something that's there that shouldn't be there. Maybe God's already given you a word to do and you just hadn't done it yet. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I knew what it looked like for me. I'm just glad I got rid of that bitter root before Ingrid came along. Because maybe I wouldn't have been involved in that. God had a plan. You see, God is still on the move. So here's what happened. A friend of mine said, Pastor David, you worship God because he's worthy, not because you feel like it. So I'd stand there and I'd do this. Okay, I'm doing it, Lord. And I thought, well, I better mouth the words too. So I start mouthing the words. 
Well, I can raise them up a little higher because even if I don't feel like it, you're still worthy. And I'd just raise my hands. I'd give him the praise, honor, and glory. You know what I'm saying? I'd just do it. Do it because he was worthy. And a couple of weeks went by. Maybe the third week went by. Fourth week went by. And all of a sudden, I feel this little tear run down this cheek. And I thought, hmm, the oil is flowing again. I have tasted the Lord and God. You are so good. But see, what happened was the week before, I had to do some business in my own heart. I had to go to a brother and say, I'm sorry. I've taken up a spirit of offense. It's not your fault. It's mine. And ask you to forgive me. And when I did that, the oil began to flow again. It's so sweet. You see, there is a cost involved. It's called the act of obedience. And God's already told some of you what you need to do to restore your marriage. You just hadn't done it yet because you're selfish. You're self-centered. And today, the day, day is the day of your miracle. But today, you've got to say, God, it's me. I'm the one in need of prayer. I'm the one who needs to change. And God, I will give it up. I will surrender. I will give it to you. And it's going to happen today. So, here's, so first of all, there's a need. Second of all, God wants to involve us all. Third of all, there's a cost. And last of all, God wants to respond to your need. Because it all started with a need. God wants to Meet your need. <laughs> so she heard God. She believed God. She obeyed God. Say it with me, please. She heard God. She believed God. She obeyed God. Say it with me again. She heard God. She believed God. She obeyed God. What's God asking you to do? What's the Holy Spirit asking you to do? She heard God. She believed God. She obeyed God. And when she did, all those vessels were full. And she runs back to Elisha and she says, I got all these oil. What do I do now? She said, Elijah said, go sell the oil, pay your debt. And then live. Oh, that word live. That word live doesn't mean just make it barely. It means to survive well. Here's what it means. It means she hit the lottery. It means, because the Bible says you and your boys. So this was a multi-generational need. It was a multi-generational blessing. She's going to live well, and then her boys are going to live well, and her grandkids are going to live well, and they're going to live well. Why? Because the man now who was trying to take her kids is going to come to her and buy oil. That's the kind of blessing this is. But have you ever been that person that everybody else seems to be getting the miracles, but you're not? Have you ever asked for God for something that he didn't answer the way you thought he would? There's reasons. Number one is the ways of the Lord are not your ways. His thoughts are higher than your ways. I can't understand the mind of God because I some, sometimes I even disagree with things God does. I think he's okay with that. His shoulders are bigger than mine. He's okay with me saying, God, I don't understand it. I don't even like it. But I trust you. I trust you. I trust you. Hear God, believe God, obey God, I trust you. So in, 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 the, book of, in the book of John, chapter 5, there's a, there's a crowd of sick people. There's five porches. Sick people are everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, there's, there's, there's hundreds of sick people. And Jesus walks up 
walks in and asks about a particular man. He's been there for 38 years. Jesus walks over, kneels down, says something to him, and he says, get up, take your bed, and walk up. And he does. And then the Bible says that Jesus disappears into the ground. Don't you know, with that many sick people, somebody say, hey, hey, what about me? I want a blessing. I want to walk. But why do you give it to him and not to me? And Jesus disappears into the crowd. Why? Why didn't he just heal everybody? Because his ways are not my ways. In, in the last four months, I've had two funerals. At a funeral of a 22-year-old young man and a 30-year-old young lady. I never preach a funeral that I can't preach Jesus and give an invitation. Now, the question that we always have when somebody dies, especially 22 and 30, is why? They're in the prime of life. Why, why would their life be taken out so quickly? So quickly. And here's the answer. The only answer I can come up with. It's found in the book of Acts. The Bible says when David had served God's purpose in his generation, he died. Can I tell you something? When David has served God's purpose in this generation, I will die. I will die. I will die. You, you may be praying for me, and I hope you do, because I want to be healed. But if God doesn't heal me, guess what? It's okay. I'm going to a better place. Amen. It'll be okay. I hope my answer is like the children, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They wouldn't be and they wouldn't bow and they didn't burn either. But here's what they said. But here's what they said. They said, our God is able to deliver us. Faith. But if he doesn't, that's not doubt. That's not doubt. But if he doesn't, because we know his ways are not our ways. But if he doesn't, we still will not bow to your God. So here's what my answer is. God, I want you to heal me in Jesus' name. Heal me. But if you don't, it's okay. I'm still going to honor you. I'm still going to serve you. I'm still going to worship you all the days of my life. There's a miracle in the making in this room today. Do you want your miracle? Hear God. Believe God. Obey God. Obey God. Obey God. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? You see, it all started with a need. God wants to involve us all. He wants it to be a multi-generational blessing. There's a cost, and then God will do something. What is it that God, what is it that you want and need God to do today? God wants to do it. Will you obey? Heads bowed and eyes closed, would you please? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Maybe there's some bitterness like there was in my heart. Maybe God wants you to dig up a bitter root, get rid of it. Maybe there's some things in your life that God's already told you you need to get rid of. Not just slow down, but get rid of. 
you've been hanging on. Just to be honest, you like the way the world tastes. It feels. But today the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. God's got a miracle. The miracle may be just saving your marriage. The miracle may be restoring the oil that has stopped flowing in you. I'd like the altar team to come. Ministry team. Worship team, you can come. There are people that have already come to the altar. I'd like you to stand with me, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Holy Spirit, you've spoken this morning. It's not my job to draw, it's your job to draw. I ask right now that the Holy Spirit of God move across this congregation. Take a step, take a step, move toward whatever, move towards your mirror.